What is up? Welcome back to the channel. Today it is a paranormal podcast day and I will be joined with Elfie very soon. Hopefully everybody's doing well. If you're new here, this is Ghost Girl Diaries. This is our podcast where we talk about everything haunted, paranormal, and occult. And I hope that you are brave enough to join the circle. What is going on? I'm going to bring in my sidekick this week is Elfie. Music is in the house. What are you doing, Elfie? How have you been? Good, been a long time, hasn't it? I know. Like, where how have you been? Haven't seen you in like forty years. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been good and everything. Uh, spring is finally coming, so the weather's warming up and everything. So, yay! Yeah, yeah. How's um, how's Pennsylvania been? You said it was a little chilly this week, this past winter. It was all kinds of weird stuff going on. Well, the it was just honestly miserable, but it's gotten warm. It's gotten nice now. Everything's popping up, and it's like it's. I swear I've been most looking forward to the spring in a very long time. <laughs> right, you're like, yay, I like the spring. and Well, and you're, you're Miss Little Kitchen Witch. You like to get your dandelions and make jellies, and you do all kinds of fun stuff. What's your, like, most favorite vegan witchy thing to make? Uh, let's see. I, I love working with the texture of vegetable protein, which is, like, these little granule stuff, and makes an awesome, like, uh, uh basically kind of a sloppy joe or something like oh, that. Oh, really? Um, health food hmm. is, awesome, is great to work with. I mean, it's so versatile. You can do almost anything with tofu. And on the jams and jellies, are they hard to, like, make? What was that? On the jams and jellies, are they hard to make? They're not too difficult. Um, uh, This year, I'm going to try again with the dandelion jelly, see how it goes. Um, I was actually quite surprised how it tasted. It's like it has a nice citrusy taste to it. So uh, I'm looking forward to making our batch of that and everything. Yeah, once we're traveling with Elfie, she's going to be our like vegan chefetta. She's going to be making all of us fun stuff. We never know what she's cooking. She's always making all kinds of conjuring good stuff in the kitchen. That's her thing. Um, well, I'm going to have to do a lot of cooking because trying to look for it. places. <laughs> yeah, really, right? Especially on the road. We're doing crazy stuff. Oh. So, where, how have you been? You definitely don't have anything fun to catch up on. You you are the normal one of the three. You have a very calm life over there. But thank you. You were also so supportive with, you know, both of us. Kat went through it, too, with losing Lily. And just thank you for... Elfie was like our glue through that whole thing. She's like, are you guys okay? Just checking in. What's going on? <laughs> they text, like, are you guys all right? Everything cool? Need a chat? Need a whatever are you alive no <laughs> what's going on yeah. so okay let's we have a couple things to chat about because i'm kind of excited to bring elfie in on this this is elfie's version of a catch-up but it's definitely not going to be as big as cat and i um one tiktok is blowing up for ghost girl diaries so i've been pushing content and elfie was making fun of me earlier today she's like you're pushing out so much content. Like, are you okay? Like, are you alive? Like, what's going on? 
yeah. you sleep, do you, do you at least get some caffeine in you? <laughs> you know, I, I stopped drinking coffee about a week ago. I wanted to see how I would react, like, with my body. I was just going through yeah. it, still the emotions of, like, losing my mom, and I was worried it was causing me anxiety. So I finally had my first iced coffee back today. And I think that the problem was I was consuming way too much caffeine. <laughs> so I just need to calm it down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Just maybe too much coffee is like not good for me, you know? Um, yeah, when you start vibrating, it's like maybe you need to cut back. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a problem when it's like, maybe it's the, the coffee that's causing the anxiety, you know what I mean? But yeah, TikTok, we're at, um, I pushed it so hard this week, we ended up getting, we're at 11.4K followers in one week. Wow, I saw when you posted the 10K and it's like, it's jumping up really fast, it's like, okay, wow. I know, I, t I told, I, I had this conversation with Elfie and Kat when I was, you know, coming back to planet Earth after all the trauma that I had been through and I, I texted group chat and I was like, okay, Crystal's back, she's here, she's ready to dive in. And I remember telling you guys in group chat, I was like, I'm going to throw thrust myself back into ghost girl diaries and you both were like are are you sure you're you're ready are you can you handle it <laughs> i figured you could handle but it was one of those like oh, okay crystal's returned to her body she is he's come back and then you decide to literally hit the ground running i did and that's at least being in your body yeah <laughs> i have i have a stellium in aries and man when i am serious about something my stellium's in my 10th house of like career and public image and i am hardcore when it comes to my work ethic and when i'm serious about setting a goal i make that goal happen and so our first goal was obviously to hit 10k on tiktok i had no idea that it was going to happen in the matter of a week but it did and um, so I'm just going to keep killing it. Next goal is 10K. Next goal, or I'm sorry, next goal is 100K. Next, yeah, you got it. Next goal is 500K. Next goal is a million. So that's, I mean, I'd honestly like to get past a million, but um, we're going to slowly, I'm going to start incorporating uh, miniature, like one minute paranormal investigations. I did order a huff box. So I'm going to start incorporating um, some more content, but I wanted to see. We've had a couple of viral videos. Have you seen that on TikTok? Like we had one hit 37K. We've had a couple of decent, decently hit videos. Well, I like I like your little mini like talks, especially when you talk about the cults and such and just little splices of information because it's like TikTok is it's not like you get full documentary, but I like that you give low bite size information and I think that's what's probably really hit home for people and what really engaged them and everything. Especially since I think you divide them in like three to four parts. Mm -hmm. I do. And yeah, so I did. I did an Alistair Crawley one today on three parts. And that, I, I did one like sex magic, <laughs> one on like I think in that one I incorporated. Did you know that his parents were Christian? This is probably what made him get into sex magic. You know. <laughs> He's going from one extreme to the other. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's literally like, don't ask why Aleister Crawley is who he is. Like, he he clearly was, you know, cat in her soapbox when she gets involved with, oh, P.S., today's cat's birthday. Happy birthday, cat. Huge happy birthday. She is the, birthday. She's the big 3-0. Um, I was on the phone with her last night. <laughs> I don't know if I should share this, but I'm going to anyway. 
She called me at like 11 o'clock her time, so you know, three hour difference from Vegas to East Coast. And uh, she was like, will you just stay on the phone with me until midnight, <laughs> until my birthday? And I was like, okay, are you okay? She's like, I don't know yet. She's like, I might have a breakdown leaving my 20s, I might not. And um, I did, when I hit 30, I, I cried for like a 24 hour period. I don't know why, it was like letting go of those like, you know what I mean? Like letting go of the 20s. And um, then the next day I was like, I don't feel any different than I did in my 20s, so I just don't really care about it, you know what I mean? It's a different, honestly. It's like, I don't know, it feels like when you hit 30, it's this idea, it's like, what, you're going to spontaneously combust or something? Well, you do, and I think when you're younger, people make you feel, like, quote, old if you're 30 or, like, in your 30s. And honestly, I would not trade my 30s for my 20s any day. I just wouldn't. Like, I, I was, like, well, yeah, we were all really dumb in our 20s, and, like, that's, like, for learning and growing and doing stupid things and, like, you know. So anyway, she's she's out celebrating tonight. So good for you, Kat. You get it. Yeah, I know. Um, so anyway, TikTok's going well. So our next big goal is 100K. I, I love TikTok. I love filming for TikTok. It's easy. It's fun. I mean, I love it. I'm actually going to start um, pre-recording for YouTube this week, this upcoming week. I wanted to get TikTok established first and then move on yeah. to the next. And then the podcast was next, which is what we've now established. And then next is getting YouTube back on track. So I will be doing YouTube uploads. It's, the YouTube uploads will be on the new Paranormal channel. Until we hit 1,000 subscribers, um, we will not have the podcast uh, live on that channel. It will eventually be moved over, but for now it's not. Um, and uh, the, the new channel, though, is going to have new content. It's not going to be like it used to be. I'm going to... I have some really good ideas of things I'm going to share. I'm also going to be doing... Um, longer mini investigations with the Huff Box on there, like five to ten minute investigations. I'm hoping as that goes, people will ask questions, like wanting to ask questions, and then I can incorporate those fan uh, knowledge or, or questions into a new video. You know what I mean? So I have some really good ideas coming up. And if you're not a part of the um, Facebook fan, it's a, it's a private fan group. Um, they're always in there coming up with new ideas. Um, I have some really great mods in there. And so go go to go to the Facebook fan uh, group too because they talk privately about and give me really good ideas on what they want to see. Um, so next thing I want to talk about with you is we shot as a crew a feature film, a feature documentary film, paranormal, in February. Mm-hmm. And you were the <laughs> you specifically were the one that was like. Crystal, your mom, like, just passed. Like, are you sure? <laughs> are you okay? Like, should you be doing this? It was, because it's, it's, like, it's one of those, like, I know you know your shit, but also at the same time, it's one of those, like, it's quite an undertaking. <laughs> okay. I mean, I trust you know you. <laughs> I know. I hit it really quick one night. I just texted group chat, and I was like, we're, we're going to do this. And you, I, you were like, okay, if you can handle it, okay. And I was like, are you sure? Like, you don't have to do the history. And you were like, done the next day. You're like, history, done. And um, so we, you did all the history. You also did the paranormal footage review for post-production, which is a really important job. Now, like, without giving too much away... Do you want to share what it was like? What like what did we catch? Like you know, you said it was 
some of that stuff was some scary shit, literally, was quoted by Elfie. <laughs> I mean, I, I will also admit, I, I was having a bit of flashbacks going like, oh yeah, I remember doing this now. <laughs> How long it takes to do this. <laughs> You're like, oh, it took a year and a half to go through four hours of footage. Great. Now my brain's falling out, you know? Oh yeah, especially since you had this, like, watch, stop, rewind, rewatch, take note, rewatch again. But no, it, it was like not trying to give away anything. It was really interesting and really good stuff. And then there were moments where like I was rewinding back. I think I even texted you a couple times going like, I heard this thing. Who all was in this in this room? I just want to get a head count here. Right. You and thought that like, security oh, yeah. was with us and it was not. It was just Kat and I. So there was definitely other movement yeah. in there. And I like, I'm hearing something. Who else was with you? And you're like, no one like. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and then there was one point I, I'm basically leaving this paranormal graveyard, haunted graveyard, and then I, there was some horrible noises going on in the background, some terrible stuff. And it, it was so strange. No, don't go back. Please don't go back. And, so, and then I look at the camera and I go, okay, we're going to go back in. And LV was like, please just don't. Please don't. Don't, it's not you're good you got enough it's good it's this good yeah <laughs> so Elfie got to do uh, post-production so she's going to be major creds um you know in the documentary we're going to be a lot of people on tiktok are asking when i'm releasing it on youtube it's going to be a while um it's going to first be released through uh film festival circuits so it's going to be probably like a 55 minute documentary or, or longer. It can be up to, I think like 87 minutes. Um, yeah, so much footage you could easily make it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. There's, there's several investigations through this and I have not given away to anybody other than the crew what knows what it's about and what it's based on. But Elfie, you've done a lot of investigations and you've even said, this is something that people have never seen before. It was just one of those, like, because, I mean, I've, I've looked over, I've done investigation, I've reviewed, but, but, like, reviewing this, I'm like, okay, this, this is different, this, this is different, interesting, it was, like, it kind of took me aback, and, like, huh, I think there might be something here. <laughs> we, we may have just created a new paranormal genre, don't you think? I yeah. mean, a little spring off, I think we created something new, and we weren't, it was, unexpected i was not planning on this happening you know but it's sometimes the best things it was it's a happy accident <laughs> yeah it was a happy accident it's going to be amazing so if you want to see it i will be releasing once we um release it to these film festivals then you have to wait to find out if you were accepted into the film festivals we're going to be releasing it to many film festivals, uh, predominantly like paranormal horror film festivals. If you live by any of these places that it gets accepted by, of course I'll release that online and you'll be able to attend the film festivals and see the film in person. Um, but the, the fingers crossed hope is what happens after it's released to film festivals if it wins awards, which I'm not to toot my own horn, but we've already won five film festivals. So I assume we will... I think this is better than the, the other, don't you think, Elfie? I mean, this is some epic yeah, I shit. I think this has a very high possibility. Yeah, I, this is this is this is kind of gonna blow things out of the water. This is nothing like you guys have even seen me shoot before, because I've also put other, you know, pilots online. This is not a pilot. This is a feature, 
And uh, once it gets accepted to these festivals, there's a possibility that it will be accepted for distribution. So that could mean being sold to a cable network. That could mean being sold to a movie theater chain. Distribution is a very like wide range word. It also means that it could be purchased um, and be made into a series. So you'll just have to sort of be patient. It's a, it's a process, but I know I've released a few clips here and there online, but I can't give too much away because it, it has to be saved for, it's gonna be amazing. I'm in the process of editing. In fact, after the podcast, what am I doing on my Friday night? I will be editing the feature. <laughs> Because Crystal doesn't sleep. She just works 24-7. She's obsessed with Ghost Girl Diaries. I believe in this. I think we all do. You know, we're, we're lucky. The three of us, Elfie, Kat, and I, you know, I found two people that believe in this as much as I do. There's such a strong message behind it, which is strong women in film and strong women in paranormal. And I think when you get the right people together, that's how lucky I got Elfie with all of us. Is just, you know, in the past when I've shot pilots, it was so complicated and I had people that forgot to hit the freaking record button on set and just you know the most simple of things and it was so weird with this feature although you know biting off a feature is like a major deal it just came together all of you guys like even security was like yep I'm there like everybody's like yep let's do this like it was so effortless and I think that's what's gonna make the outcome of it so beautiful and I have to give a shout out to you because you did all the history and you did one of the hardest jobs in post-production, which is going over paranormal evidence. So shout out to Elfie. She's she's a huge part, important part of this. So I mean with it, I wouldn't be surprised if you find more of your editing. So I yeah, Elfie says there's so much evidence that she didn't she doesn't even think she marked it all. It was just constant, constant voices. Shadows, we do think we encountered a skinwalker in the grave. Even Elfie was like, that was something not human, period. Well, then there's a wonderful, like, oh, let's go. <laughs> well, at least you can tell people how I am as an investigator. I'm not, I'm pretty fearless. And I'm, Elfie said she's sitting there watching it. She's like, I'm, I'm sure it's inhuman. I'm sure it's a skinwalker. And what does Crystal yeah. do? All right, we're going to go back out there, guys. Are you ready? And Elfie was like, I was sitting there watching the footage like, I just can't watch this. I just, like, she said she was on the edge of her seat, like, sick because it was so scary. You know? Well. We take I'm watching this. <laughs> well, people get the wrong idea of, of females that you're scared and you can't handle it. Or especially me being like, this, you know, the, the typical, atypical, oh, no. dumb blonde, you know, that's like the stupid girl next door. And I'm like, oh, nay, nay. I have bigger balls than most men I know. You know what I'm saying? So, speaking of, speaking of that, that's a great segue <laughs> for the next topic. <laughs> Oh, which is did you see Zach's post on Instagram that. yes <laughs> so yesterday Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures posted on Instagram that he is now essentially an uh, an executive not just with Travel Channel but with Discovery Plus and he has basically been contracted to sign a certain amount of para new paranormal shows. So the way I interpreted it was, I know it's huge. I mean, that's like a, yeah, oh yeah. 
at this point, he can't get any bigger. You know, like if he has some fear, thank you for, for the bits, I think, or somebody subscribed, I'm not sure which one. Um, at this point, he's at the top of the chain of the paranormal shark that like nobody can reach him. So he needs to not be inferior to anyone else because no one's going to ever get to the top where he's at now being an executive, at, at not just a network, but an umbrella network, which is Discovery, which owns so many other network. You know, you know what I mean? You know, you've been in TV like I have for years. His, his only other next step is, which I don't know if you do this, but basically if you create his own channel. Yes. Like, his separate own... Like Oprah own, Winfrey own win. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like his own Oprah channel thing. Which, I mean, I can't... I would not put it past him. Like, I can see that happening, but I feel like I can see him first building on this before he decides if he wants to do that. But mm -hmm. right now, yeah, he's like at the top. He's at the top. Yep. Idols. And people can make fun of him and talk smack about his, you know, demonic, evil portrayal of his shows. It doesn't matter. He has now crawled to the top. So, you know, at this point, if you're making and mocking fun of him, you're making fun of the top dog. And it's out of absolute jealousy, in my opinion, because you can't get any bigger than that. You just can't. People still watching me still gets the views. It's still, I mean, even if it could be people just like rage watching or something, he still garners interest and there's still people who talk about him and everything. Well, actually, so. that's the Kardashian theory is you want people to talk smack. Like, I'm, I'll be scrolling through, you know, the Ghost Girl Diaries TikTok, you know, finding inspiration on what to post or if there's like trending sounds and mm -hmm. people pop up constantly just talking smack about him. And it's like... First of all, I'm laughing because you've just wasted an entire minute, an entire video of talking smack about the, the top dog. And, and I don't think people realize in paranormal, it's not even just paranormal, it's at a film level. It's at a yeah. film level. Do you know how hard that is? Elfie's been on Paranormal State. How many episodes did you have? Like a ridiculous amount, 78 or something, or was it more than that? Something like that. I think we got pretty close to 100 mark, but it's been a while since I've looked at it. But, but I mean, he's been on, he has been on TV for like, was it 15 years now? Oh, something. I mean, he's in, uh, he's in 26 seasons or something, 27 seasons. Yeah. No one will ever get to that point ever. He, he is, no one will period. And, um, so people can make fun of him all they want, but you know, it's out of absolute jealousy and you're right. The people that talk shit about him online, whether it's a YouTube video, podcast, whatever, Y'all are just giving him free press. Y'all are just giving him more free press. And honestly, you're just helping him get bigger. And um, anyway, you know, as, as everybody knows, like we, we had a friendship and um, he knows what I'm capable of. I've heard him bragging about, you know, my knowledge in film and my knowledge in paranormal. Um, I've been to this museum, God knows how many times at this point. And he knows what I've been trying to accomplish. So I hope to God, I hope to God that he is considering Ghost Girl Diaries for one of the series since he is now an executive with Discovery. I hope that he is seriously taking us into consideration because he knows about the millions of views that I've obtained. He knows about the hard work that I've done. He knows about winning all the film festivals. I know that this is really early on on him just announcing it. This is just like scratching the surface. Like he's probably not even anywhere near 
making plans with who he's going to sign. But I will say, yeah, since I, well, no, and I, yeah, and I've already been in his circle of, of his private circle of friends. So I hope to God he is considering us. That's all I have to say, because not that I, I not that I'm entitled or not that I've earned it, but I mean, he knows what we're capable of and, and that's it. So I just hope that I'm up for that opportunity. Um, and then from there, Alistair Crawley has been making a huge turn again it, he comes in waves in in like paranormal and occult have you noticed that like even you've oh. been with ghost girl diaries for a few years but like we see this pop up sometimes and he goes away and i've noticed on social media he's having another surge of occultism and so in in the future streams with elfie she's actually going to be researching more occultists because i feel like there's so many others that don't get yeah oh, there's hundreds there's hundreds um and Anton LaVey obviously was kind of considered one too, but, but as far as Aleister Crawley, like we've talked about him before in the past, but I just feel like he didn't yeah. get the, I mean, you talk about it for a minute. You said you were doing research and this is just like scratching the surface. There's so much information on him that I don't even think people realize about his life. Well, there's, there's so much information about him, but honestly, to me, it's more fascinating is all of the people after him who have done commentary, who's dissected his work, who's talked about his rituals and everything. So it's it's almost like it's even bigger than Crowley himself. It's his body of work, but then every the body of work built on his body of work that I feel like Times has really gained a much more uh, fascination. And also just people are fascinated with this figure who you're not sure how much is truth and how much is rumor and myth that he probably built half of it himself, really. True, true. And I think that another reason this comes up in, like, pop culture, like, current pop culture is if you're not on TikTok, you need to be on TikTok because um, I think that TikTok has created a new, like, spiritual surge, don't you think? Oh, <laughs> uh, the called TikTok, and actually, I think they they call it like witch talk and everything there's it's witch talk occult talk like there's literally like spiritual spirit guide talk like it's definitely caught like i i've definitely heard a lot more people talk about talk about the good bad indifferent of is it uh getting information from tiktok getting conveying information is it easy is it difficult and everything and it definitely with everything has gain more momentum because everyone is looking for this stuff is it's fascinating by this stuff well and with pop culture and social media like tiktok it moves so fast like there was some um something that came out that i think forbes did a did a like research on like data and tiktok is now the number one platform it's literally surpassed instagram and youtube at this point because people like the short form content and i think that yeah. people's attention spans have shrunk which is good and bad but it's like people are wanting all this information at once and it's moving at such a high speed and that's where this occultism is coming back up and it's and it's become and it is witch talk too and alistair crawley you know when he died in 1947 he was famous, but for all the wrong reasons. And you're thinking about a time when he was born, you know, as an adult in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, where if you came out as spiritual, occultist, 
His name was you know, nicknamed Beast 666, associated with the devil at a time, 20s, 30s, and 40s, when everyone's Catholic and Christian, he's hated, essentially. He's just hated. I think it, it was more like he was, he, he became this big legend, and it's like, you also have to remember the early 20th century, the occult world was not a very big pool. Like, everyone kind of knew everyone else, everyone, because that's where it's always funny when you hear about, like, these famous people like Crowley and Gardner and um, the Unfortunate and these various very polarizing people and they all interacted with each other in some level because they all ran in the same circles and everything but then you have those people outside them is then the media like newspapers and radio and stuff who are catching little tidbits of this information going like oh my goodness V666 and he was just like loving it, I think. He's just like, yes, I'm the beast. I'm super scary. And it, not so much. <laughs> well, he played off of the marketing tool. I think oh, he was a marketing genius, for sure. Especially for that time era. When, you know, Google didn't exist. Social media didn't exist. I mean, even television. Elfie and I were talking earlier. Thing. <laughs> well, yeah. like I mean, the newspaper was really where you got your source of information. And for him to be able to, like, understand marketing at a time where vast majority of people didn't have access to things like Google, like mass things like we do today, where, where information is pushed at such high speeds and high rates, he was kind of like the Kardashian of his time. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, it, he liked the bad publicity because he, he didn't care. Like, publicity was still publicity. It doesn't. And I've talked okay. about this before go ahead oh i was gonna say it honestly because it it i think it, it feels like at times where he enjoyed the publicity even it was like oh my god the, the wickedest man in the world and, and all this stuff because often it was because one story blew up and everything mm -hmm. and then he utilized that probably to then try to convey the actual information he was trying to talk about that was honestly a lot of meditation and doing rituals and not really as scandalous as it always was mm -hmm. thought to be. Well, who knows with his, you know, he practiced actively, bragged about and practiced sex magic. He wrote publishing items on it. And I think that scared people, anything with the word magic. But once again, I think he liked the shock factor. Yeah. Oh, probably. He probably got a kick out of it. He, he, I mean, this guy seemed to be a very much a social person when he wanted to be, and like, he, and he was very charismatic. He was someone who, like, he could talk to probably anyone, and either they loved him or hate him. Um, it was probably there was no real in between with Crowley. You either loved the guy or you hate the guy. You couldn't really just be like met with him. So he was born October twelfth, which I just find interesting because you know. That's like spooky season. We all love spooky season. Um, he's from England, but both of his parents were like hardcore Christians. And his mother is the one that nicknamed him the Beast, which I feel like, wow. You know. Apparently he was a very uh, pain-in-the-butt child. Like, he was definitely just... And it sounds like he was just... He was a curious child. He wanted to get into everything. He caused a lot of trouble. And you also have to think like the the, the group they were called part of the brethren brother Plymouth brethren 
sounds like they were very repressed and very much, very much this Christian sect that was like all about disbelief and everything. And it was until he went away from it when he went to uh, Trinity College and everything that this kind of exploded, really. <laughs> And he well, and I hate to say that I feel like that still happens to this day because Cat obviously was was raised um, extreme Catholic. She went to a, a Catholic school, and um, I have other friends that went to Catholic school and that they would they kind of in, integrated with us in high school, and they went crazy. So I sometimes think that when you repress a child with forced religion it does come out in other really ugly ways. Not necessarily with Kat, but like she did go the opposite way. She went like the pagan way, the, the witchcraft way. She was like done with this, no more Catholic, over it, you know what I mean? And I think that people don't realize that sometimes with having that big of an impact on a kid, it might do the adverse that you're expecting it to do. You, you also have to remember too, it's not just religion, but I think he was probably um, they were probably very stern, they were probably very strict on rules, so when he was finally un out from none of that show, you have this um, wealthy British boy who going, is going to a college on his own for the first time probably, doing what he would like to do, and just kind of finally had the release of not someone watching over his shoulder all the time. Unfortunately, this apparently had a downward effect where he, he left the Trinity and never got the degree. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then he, he joined in like 1898 this Order of the Golden Dawn, which is, I mean, didn't wasn't it like some sort of like um, weird spiritual belief system of, of whatever they had? The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was uh, kind of a... It's similar if you ever know anything about like the OTO that comes later on thing and it uh, deals with meditation, Kabbalistic, uh, ritual magic, uh, some of it deals with uh, the tradition Levi's work mm -hmm. and other earlier works and you have to remember Crowley was in his 20s when he joined the, joined the Golden Dawn and everything and he excelled very quickly through their grade system because their grade system, which is I believe similar to what you see today in the OTO, is basically the grade like through the tree of life and everything and he like, like fast-tracked through that. He just apparently really wanted to get through the grades really quickly, much faster than normal, but he did it. He did all the work and everything and that's probably what kind of shocked a lot of them and everything. Well, and Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was actually considered like an occult secret society. So, you know, yeah, I mean, probably a, a lower degree of like a, a wannabe Illuminati or right or something like that. Like it was from the late 19th century. They were into paranormal activities and ghost hunting and metaphysics, which back in the day of the 19th century, like how would you do that? I mean, there wouldn't be a lot of a lot of ways to investigate because technology just didn't exist at that time. Um, so they were really into like spiritual practices. They would discuss wicked practices, magical practices. And that's, I think where he kind of got his boost of, uh, who he became. I don't really think it's hard. Like, yes, he was an occultist, but he did so many other things. I feel like people forget that he was also a writer, a publisher. He was like a world traveler. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, no, and I think uh, with the going with the going on, it it wasn't like I wouldn't put in like anything like the Illuminati, Secret Society, anything crazy like that. It was really kind of more of a fraternity that they were into spiritualism, into alchemy, into Kabbalistic work, into ritual work, and so this was usually a group of people who who were who got together to of like mind and it wasn't too unusual in these circles because you had a lot of artists and authors and spiritualists and usually free thinkers who were fascinated with these topics and so he just kind of crashed in on this going like i will excel beyond all of this well yeah i wouldn't i illuminize probably not the right word either but i, I think it was more like a wannabe like that big and it wasn't you know what i mean but they did have like initiations and I think they, they had, like, similar things to, like, the Masonic sort of, like, temple era. Once again, not as official. Yeah, not as official, right? It's totally, fraternity is a perfect word for that, like, absolutely, you know? Um, yeah, they would definitely be, like, related closer to, like, a Masonic Lodge um, or even the Theosophical Society and everything, since there were, there were quite a few in that time they 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 came and went they they did not last long at times no well they kind of got like silenced or pushed under from society don't you think just because it it was not welcome well it's sad but honestly sometimes people it burned out or lots of infighting happened or people just did not agree on something so they would split off and make other groups and subgroups and this and that and the other so a lot of times it was more internal of splitting than honestly anything external. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I, that's what we've seen with the bigger ones too, is mm-hmm. you know they have like the big big one, and they have all the sub ones that have split off into all these different chambers. So it's it does make sense. So I now he's written a lot of books. Have you ever read any of his books out of just random curiosity? Yes, I have. You have. Yes. Okay, tell what. So I want to know, like, is he? I haven't. I've never even picked one of his books up. Is he intelligent? What does he talk about? Is he? You know what I mean? What perspective does he talk from? He's very chatty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's. It's interesting. Like uh, this is why honestly, I say I talk say a lot. Like it's more interesting with the people who dissect his Crowley's work because if you sat down and just read like either the book of the law or um, magic theory practice it unless you have already working knowledge of ceremony magic or the occult it might not make as much sense Mm -hmm. because sometimes he kind of wrote in this in this mindset that whoever's picking up this book should already know how to read Hebrew or how to read Greek or how what what these things mean already and just kind of like jumped full force into it and so later on you have authors who took his work like Lon Mayo Duquette and essentially translated Crowley going okay this is what he actually meant or this is where he was going with because he also kind he was a poet he liked writing fiction on top of also writing works on ceremonial magic and the occult and sometimes his poetry would melt into his ceremonial magic and sometimes his fiction like Diary of a Drug Fiend, which is technically fiction, technically an autobiography of when he was addicted to drugs and such. Um, it kind of blurs at times and everything. So it's one of those, like, he's not exactly someone you can just sit down and, like, 
I'm going to spend this weekend reading Crowley, mm -hmm. unless you already have kind of a working knowledge of it first. See, and I've just never, I mean, I, I know he wrote the one that was like inspired by Egypt, um, and I've never wanted to, to dive into that because I wasn't sure. He seems like a little bit eccentric. Is that a good word for him? Where you say he's chatty, or he's just like, I have a lot of information and I'm going to get it out right now. He he definitely was an eccentric person. Um, his his poetry is actually not that bad. I enjoyed. I mean, one of his poetry books, poetry books is called White Stains, and um, he mixes occult work in with the poetry and everything. Uh, the Book of Law, which is what you're referring to with Egypt, is the one of the big main books. Is, I mean, it's actually not big. It's, it's a tiny book. Look, look at Elfie. Just grab, let me just grab a book off my librarian shelf right here. <laughs> which was actually, uh, funny enough, we, uh, I think it was last week, I think it was technically the uh, anniversary of the writing of the Book of Law, which he... he when he was in Egypt, in Cairo, having with his uh, on honeymoon with his first wife, Rose, mm -hmm. that's when he wrote through France um, State over the course of three days the Book of the Law, and last week was the anniversary of uh, what oftentimes people do who practice Lima is each day they will read that chapter that was written on that day which they said it was like written one chapter a day at noon in Egypt. So people will still to this day practice Crowley by... Oh yeah, they're still practicing. Wow! So it's almost yeah. like it's own like Crowley society that's still of existence. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that there are people who are Thelemites or Thelemites who practice the Lima. Okay. Uh, there are people who, who utilize the word Crowley, but that's, that's not really- Crowley, wow. You're centered on just Crowley, but this, the magic practice as a whole is considered the Lima. Wow. And there are still people who practice it today. That, I'm fascinated. Like, I would love to just sit down with people, like, and just pick their brain about why they practice it, what it is they... So the Book of the Law, can you is, can you sum it? Like, is it like magical practices? Like, what, what is it? Well, it's interesting because in, in the book, it, it says right at the beginning of it that you're supposed to just read it and and never discuss it with anyone and you're supposed to burn the book after you're ready. Of course, no one ever does that. And <laughs> Jesus. <what it> was, <laughs> God. It's a little extreme. Yeah, it was really extreme, but uh, some people have felt that that was him trying to, like, you're supposed to read the book law and interpret it for yourself because it was the idea of the motto that he went by, which was, do what thou wilt shall be the whole law, love is the law, love is will, there is no law beyond do what thou wilt. That was the model pulled all together. Are you guys just fascinated with Elfie right now? Like, I could just, I'm just so fascinated by her. Like, I love her to death because she's so smart. I'm sorry. I just I, sometimes when you're speaking, I'm like, oh my god. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, so with the book, it was this this basically this tone that is a little hard to understand. At times it is supposedly he is just um, he was trans writing it through a higher sphere that he believed was possibly his holy guardian angel, which he talks about in his work. 
and who he referred to as Ewase, and that it was supposed to talk about the aeon of Horus. And it was this idea that we move through different eons, which various groups do talk about. Various groups talk about the idea we go through cycles and eons. I mean, like the most obvious one people talk about is the age of Aquarius and everything. Mm-hmm. So this talked about that we were entering in the age of Horus, which is the child, and just what to expect with that, and just talking about um, uh, do it and knew it and had it and Osiris and this is also some of the early works where we get later on with the whole Babylon and the Scarlet Woman and everything but this is just a very small tome that you were supposed to just take in of yourself and figure out to understand what your personal will was hmm. what you were meant to do in this life or lives I'm fascinated I could just hear you just I want you just to keep going honestly like <laughs> Well, like, there, there's more to it. There's lots of... So do you think, and, and I know that you're not supposed to share your belief, but I know you will because I'm asking. What, what's your, do you think it's, it's based off of Egyptian belief system? It sounds like it might be based off, like you said, Age of Aquarius, maybe a little bit of astrological, maybe a little bit of Greek. A lot of his work is a combination of e- Egypt, Greek, there is um, Hebrew, there's... Um, Jewish mysticism, unfortunately, uh, like it is a hodgepodge of various practices that have been kind of uh, zoned together. And the thing is, it's like even though there are Egyptian names and Egyptian deities mentioned, talked about, and utilized, um, I sometimes feel like this is a little more uh, closer to the 19th and early 20th century of the romanticized ancient Egypt, not necessarily the actual practice of ancient Egypt but just our interpretations of what we thought ancient Egypt would look like or how the the deities were would be perceived and everything so I think this is where you need to kind of take with a grain of salt of even though he's using these various names and stuff it's still more of an interpretation than a legit this is how it is he sort of took belief systems from several several cultures and took what yes. he liked out of it, reinterpreted it, and then put it into his own writings. Yeah, along with what he had learned between like the 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 esophageal, uh, the, uh, the golden dawn, and then later on he has his own group with the OTO and everything. So this is not something that he invented out of nothing. This is stuff that has definitely had already been in existence, magically like of various Western occult practices. He just kind of compiled it to make his own interpretation of it. So this is where he, and this is just a random fact that I know because, you know, we've done research on Anton LaVey, and obviously Anton LaVey was the founder of the Church of Satan. Um, and I can't remember. It starts with an E. It's a, um, it's a culture that's out of Africa. Do you know who I'm talking about? A lot of people accuse Anton LaVey of ripping off this culture of Satanism. And it's, it's, it's like EQ, I can't remember what, e, um, I, don't, I don't have it in front of me. Anyway, it's similar. Yeah. It's similar. So basically, it's claimed. And, and if, you were, if you were to get in an argument with a Satanist, they would, there's two types of Satanists. 
because I have friends <laughs> that are, are these. There's there's one type that believes Anton LaVey's word is of the devil, literally, and what he created was authentic. There's another group of, yeah. of people that are Satanists that say, no, he ripped off an African culture and literally slapped, instead of like using the title God, slapped the name Satan on it. And literally, it's it's a it's an identical cultural switch. So in a way, Aleister Crawley did the same thing by creating like what Elfie said, Thelma, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Thelma, Thelma, Thelma. And he took identities from different cultures and belief systems, stuck it in a book that was interpreted by him. Which honestly, let's all say that religion itself, whether you're Catholic, Christian, Lutheran, whatever. It's interpreted how you will, isn't it all? Like, interpreted at your own will? And I think that's the, the big thing is his, his main thing with his work was trying to showcase, um, because I think this is oftentimes what is misinterpreted, especially with the motto and everything, that when they hear do what that will, they're like, oh, do whatever you want. It's like, no, no. It's not do whatever you want. It's not cause the, the, as much chaos as you want or, or be, be a uh, bad person it is the idea that you are trying to find what you are meant to do in this universe and what is the the smoothest path of like this this falls into place is this what you were meant to do this is what your purpose was and everything and it was something that he wanted to sometimes I think more show that it was you had to find out what your will was. Mm -hmm. You had to find out what your purpose was. No one could tell you you had to do it through your own work and everything. And he was just trying to provide the tools to do it. And unfortunately, also, he sometimes kind of bragged, like, yes, I did all this stuff too, which he did. He did the work. I mean, he did his own work. But he wanted to show, like, here's the tools so you can also find what your will is in this Universe. Well, and another thing to point out too that people don't realize, like, because when I'm when you talk about stuff like this, I have you have to critically think about this person, Aleister Crowley, even like Anton Lavey, who was really big in like the '60s, '70s era, right, till he started to grow. Yeah. But even Anton Lavey too, you're at a point, and Aleister Crowley, the 20th, that well, he went to Egypt in what 1904, I think, or something like that. So you yeah, have 1904, like, so the, the, the early 19th century, and then you have Anton LaVey in the 70s, both in which are areas of life where Google does not exist. Amazoning yourself a book on, you know, this ancient African culture doesn't exist. So they had to go to extreme length to find, you know, literature, literally like literature, I mean, literally to the point where Aleister Crawley went to freaking Egypt in 1904. So that's probably where he got most of his information at that time. But a lot of people at that time oh. didn't have access to that literature. So when they do come out with, you know, the Book of Satan or, or whatever Aleister Crawley's doing, it's new to them because they've never seen the literature from other cultures. Oh, and that, that's the thing, too. It's like you also have to remember, like I said, in the early 20th century, there was this huge buzz about Egypt like if you look at there was this Egyptian revival where there was fashion and architecture and everyone just loved because it wasn't too long ago long it was shortly after like the finding of King Tut's King Tut's tomb and the the people were finding all these amazing artifacts of Egypt and unfortunately this is also when 
a lot more of ancient Egypt was getting right, um, getting pillaged and taken and sold and everything. And people just looked at it as like, oh, this is beautiful stuff. And Crowley came there at honeymoon, and this is where he wrote the Book of the Law. This is also where he found the Stella Revealing, which it was in the Egyptian Museum. He felt was this connection that he needed with his magic because also the um, I think the archive tag on the back of it was 666 so he's like this had to be a sign this, this is meant to be and everything which is this fascinating but this was like you said we they didn't have Google you, it was kind of a privilege if you could get a hold of any of these occult books you, you kind of had to join these societies or these fraternities to gain access to these pamphlets in these books. It wasn't something you could just pop down to your local library and get either. Mm -mm. I mean, no, they were banned at a lot of libraries too because they didn't want people. They probably didn't last long in a library. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if anyone found them in a library, they probably disappeared quite quickly too. Mm -hmm. But I mean, today we honestly have a whole. We're we're kind of spoiled when it comes to these books. I mean, a lot of these books in our much easier access to either their free domain or you can order them off Amazon or any bookstore and they come with you in a few days. It was not that easy for people back then. They kind of had to hunt this down or no people had copies of it and everything. So it was a much more difficult thing to gain this knowledge than it is today. Someone asked, so everyone's spiritual journey is different. No, essentially what Elfie is saying as interpreted by Aleister Crawley is interpret it as you will interpret it as you will interpret any religion or especially particularly the book of the law which is what we're talking about which is why elfie says in the book it says to burn it when you're done which once again is very extreme whoa let's go have a bonfire in the backyard you know what i mean um i, I, think, I think he wanted people to interpret for themselves as they will because it was supposed to be like between them and their higher self or them in their spiritual path but also he probably didn't want people to use it and misinterpret it or misuse it and like they, I don't know pull quotes of it like well the, the book law says this it's like no no that's not how you're supposed to use it <laughs> that's not yeah exactly it's not how you're supposed to use it he didn't he was also essentially trying to stay from modern day religion by saying interpret it as you will it's interesting. He, he was trying to stay away from modern day religion, but if you look at some of the stuff, especially like even today's like the the some of the ceremonies, it's still. I mean, it still falls into a lot of modern day religions language or 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 path or way. I mean, like he utilizes his title as the beast from the book of revelations of the bible and everything so even though he was trying to get away from it he still used it for his own work too i mean that's also where you get babylon and the scarred woman was from the book of revelations of the the woman who is on on the back of the seven head beast which that's where he was turned that he was the seven head beast and the scarred woman was this embodiment of everything to to gain even uh uh, gain connection to a higher self. So spiritualism. I mean, it's really what it came down to, spiritualism. It's all back to spiritualism. It's all back to spiritualism. Well, and then I found out, too, I'm, we're bouncing around for a second, but that's fine. That's how that's how our streams go. We always tangent. I didn't realize till today that he designed his own deck of tarot cards and released them, and you can still buy them today. Oh, yeah. I, I have.
I have them. Do you do? Are they? Yeah. Do you? Are they close? Oh yeah. Oh my God, Alfie, I love it. Ah, I just. I <laughs> oh my gosh! So, so you do have them. Yeah. Wow. So this is. Now, what's nice is actually they do come in smaller size. They don't. It's not like You don't have to get the gigantic ones. Right. But these are like some of these are these are beautiful cards. This was designed. Um, he he thought he, like I think this is what all tarot creators get this idea like yeah we're fun just like bang this out in three months it'll be great. It more took like I think four to five years. Well, yeah, at that time, you know, I don't know what year he designed them, but that couldn't have been an easy task back then. Well, this was also later in his life. I think it was between nineteen thirty eight and. 1938 and 1943 was when he worked with um, Lady Harris, I think was her name? Lady Frida Harris, who was the artist. And basically, he she would make the pieces, send it to him, he would make notes on it, and then send it back and back and forth and everything. Until, and so I think these are supposed to be like full-scale watercolor paint, well, not watercolor, but full-scale paintings. Right. And wow. then, so it took a while to get it down, what he wanted and unfortunately if I remember correctly even though the book of Thoth the the book that goes with the tarot cards was published in his lifetime I don't think the cards were uh, officially published until after his death okay wow thanks to Jeff Bezos nope but they are very useful they're awesome cards. you do like so do you connect with them yeah. since you you do Oh yeah, no, they're definitely they're they're much they they're more complex sometimes. I mean, I feel like all tarot cards like there's more layers to them than we we when we first look at them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people will use these more for ritual work, for uh, altar work, and everything. Like you'll have the Rider Waite Smith, but then they'll have the Thoth, and it will be a much more specific ritual set of cards than. Rightway Smith, which might be just for readings and such. I don't know. I'm fascinated. I'm just I'm like, I was not expecting you to pull out the tarot deck. I'm like, what? I, I, I can't prepare. You're ready to go. Elfie's always prepared, man. Um, I mean, his information just goes on and on. So the sex magic thing, like, I just feel like my, my morbid curiosity has to like dive into that for a second. You know what I mean? Now, I was doing some research on my own just because I, I was like, what? Like, I didn't realize he was really enthralled that much with it. But he claimed, like, oh, it was sort of after the Egypt um, trip was really what triggered the yeah. sex magic thing. And he... No, I think it was him and his wife and his work with it and... Well, you also have to remember he got into yoga and he got into the... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh because I do yoga, obviously, but it's just, I did, I read that. Like, he, he, like, matched the sex magic with, like, meditation and yoga, and I was like, it's just oh, yeah. like, it, okay, you know what I mean? Like, okay, like, what, he's just a strange person. Well, it, this is what I find most fascinating by him, because here's a figure, he, he, like, swings back and forth where... He, on one side, he can be totally indulgent, like, I swear, like, try to break all seven sins at once and just, like, go wild and crazy. Like, that's where you get, like, diarrhea, drug fee and everything. But then he could swing all the way back and you see photos of him, like, 
very thin and almost emaciated because he's been doing the the fasting and the cleansing and the the yoga meditations and everything and just gets locked into this ritual stuff and the 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 sex magic and everything so like he swings back and forth between them there's like no i think it wasn't until later in his life he kind of got to a middle ground almost (laughs) yeah i was um looking up photos of him because he was addicted to heroin for a while too and i'm sure other drugs were involved um you know getting in diving into that dark era but it is interesting um if you look at the photos of him you're right there are photos where he's just totally like a skeletal person there's like nothing left of him and then all of a sudden he looks like he's overweight and in like a suit and like it 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 was like that that much of weight fluctuations but i mean obviously he did it for his spiritual practices but it, it couldn't have been healthy, right? To be, like, bouncing back and forth to those extreme measures? It probably had a, a effect on... Well, I mean, you also have to remember, he traveled all over the world. He got into... not He didn't just go to Egypt, but he also went to, I think, India and Tibet. Italy. Uh, he went to the U.S. He went to Italy. He got kicked out of Italy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that says something when you can get kicked out of an entire country, and they're like, yeah, don't come back. Well, and there were a lot of um, negative... Uh, I, I mean, I want to say publishings because we're ta- once again, we're still talking about newspaper era. You know what I mean? Like that's how news traveled was newspaper. But he 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 would get a lot of bad press, bad publicity for the sex magic and, and promoting it. And, and he would do publishings on it as well. And he loved the bad publicity. He thrived in the bad publicity because he knew people were talking. That's where I'm talking about going back to the Kardashian theory is really put your mindset in the 1920s, 30s, even before that. There, you know, a lot of people lived very square, clean cut lives because that was all that really fit into society's standards. And for him to be this, like, total extreme side of, like, oh, yeah, I went to Egypt, I practice sex magic, I have orgies, I do all this crazy shit. And then people are, like, haggling him on a really, like, demonizing level of, like, literally you are Satan himself in the flesh. And he was like, yes, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yeah. And I I, I think, honestly, that's probably... I would not be surprised if, like, Angel Lovey probably took some notes from that, going, like, huh, that seems like a good idea. I agree. One th- I was thinking that today, because I was reading through, like, and, you know, we're not going to divulge into, like, details, but let me just say, if you want some tea, go research his sex magic stuff, because you're just, like, once again, for somebody to figure this stuff out, and I'm not discrediting Egypt, like... Kat is obsessed with Egypt. She swears she lived a past life in Egypt. She's a Lyran from Egypt. I think I'm from Atlantis. But, like, she... I I laugh because I I know that their spiritual practices are hardcore and, and probably involving sex magic. But for him to, like, publish these detailed things in the, like, 20s and 30s of, like, sex magic, it was just like, wow. He literally did not care. He didn't give a F. He was going to tell everybody what he learned and saw and experienced, and he's going to tell you how to experience it as well on a very public platform. Oh, yeah. Like, he was a a wealth... I mean, he inherited quite a wealth from his father, 
So that's why he was able to travel. So he was a wealthy British man who probably very few people told him, no, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that like, in anything. And I think sometimes also in some ways this, this very outer extreme shock factor of the sex magic and everything, even though, yes, there, there is rituals dealing with sex magic and tantric and, and all that, I think that almost it's like you have to get past that before you start really getting delved into his other lectures and talks and works. Like, I mean, like with the yoga, like the eight, he did a lecture, like I would say is probably like very outdated at this point, but he has like an eight, the eight limbs of yoga lecture that he did that is just mostly breathing exercises mm -hmm. and poses really, mm -hmm. and nothing too extreme. It, it probably about the same as you would see today. <laughs> now, near the end of his life, I was reading about this today too, he was sort of seen as a medium too. So that was when he claimed he was connecting like with his higher self, his guides, his angelic forms. Um, do you yeah. think he was actually a medium? See, the possibility, like, it sounds like when towards the end of his life, he was definitely slowing down. He, I think he was in the UK at that point, he had a small apartment, like, there's always been this big thing, it's like, oh, he died in obscurity and poverty, it's like, no, he, he still had correspondence, he still had people in the US, in the UK talking to him, he honestly was just kind of slowing down and probably focusing more inward on his magical practices and doing, going beyond what he probably had been working on before and his early years and it wasn't as flashy as probably what people expected and everything. I mean he also had to think too this is when he was working on the tarot deck so he was probably doing more research and more introspective work because if you look at the, the cards he created they're beautiful cards and there's so many layers of ritual and occult knowledge in those too. Mm -hmm. When someone asks you know what would he be considered in t today's society more like you know, once again, comparing to Anton LaVey, he sort of created his own uh, spiritual movement. But, I mean, most modern, even Elfie has this on the list, is Ron Hubbard, founder of Scientology. 100%. It's like creating your own mysticism, spiritualism. Whether you believe in it or not, it doesn't matter. There's people out there that do. Elfie just said people still follow Crowley and literally still practice his practices to this day. And um, yeah. so, no, I think he was more of a, he was more impactful than people realize. And he does make these circle rounds every once in a while on social media. We see this upsurge of him and we're all in group chat, like, here comes Aleister Crowley again. It's interesting how people get fascinated by these occultists and that it comes in waves because, yes, he was well known back then, obviously enough to create his own tarot deck to go to all of these places because he had a lot of money, which a lot of people at that time didn't have the money to travel abroad like he did, but he wasn't very liked at that time. It's interesting how later on occultists become even more famous after their death, many, many years after their death. Well, there was that, honestly, if, okay, if Crowley was alive today, I don't think a lot of people would like him so much and I don't think he would care if anyone liked him. But is that, um, that's the same stating with Ron Hubbard and, and um, Anton LaVey. I mean, it's similar. Not a lot of people are going to like them, but it, you know, you're right. That's a perfect statement for it. 
No, and I mean, like, okay, so a similar artist I see who I don't think has gone, who is definitely not foreign quality, but he has very similar, I, like, appearance is, if you ever seen the, the uh, comic book writer Alan Moore, who is also a cultist and everything, and has actually done some great work um, threading the occult into his fiction and everything, he looks like the, the wizard. He looks like Quentin with <laughs> long beard and long gray hair, and he's this very punk-looking wizard with all these rings. And he's very, like, visually he looks like what you expect, but he's also done the work, too, and does know his stuff and everything, but he also knows that people are more visual and that, like, they want to see the wizard. <laughs> so I would not be dissimilar if Crowley was around today. He'd probably be a lot more flashier, too. No, it's true. I agree with that. And, you know, and, you know, although Elfie's read his books, she doesn't practice this. You know what I mean? But even me, I don't practice it. I haven't read his books. But I'm interested in it on a paranormal occult level because he is an occultist. And, you know, whether you believe in what his belief system is or not, this is what makes our genre real, paranormal, you know, and occult. It, it's creepy, weird things. And we appreciate the creepy weirdness in people doesn't mean that we have to to follow it or practice it, right? Well, I mean, I, I'll have to admit, I do practice some ceremonial magic. No, that so right. I, yeah, I, I meant like specifically... I mean, girl, if you do sex magic, that's on you. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> I mean, like, like okay, so it's like the, the, I mean, the, the lesser banishing ritual on the lake and everything. Right. I do practice some of it, but it's, yeah, it's one of those things where it, it's interesting where Thelema can be a religion or a philosophy. It's yes. all up to how the person wants to interpret it. We're going back to interpretation again, 100%. Yes, Yep. Yep. And that's why I, I should read at least the one book at some point just because I'm interested in it. But I feel like it's going to be like the Necronomicon, uh, you know, and it, I mean, I think the Necronomicon is just straight up rituals in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, but a lot of people are like, oh, no, it was it was a fictional book. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> whatever. Oh, I honestly, I think that was, that's been like. There's a whole lot of layers to that. Oh, oh, yeah. It is. And yeah, definitely, for sure. You know, and that's also looking at H.P. Lovecraft. A lot of people see him. Some people see him as an occultist. Some people see him as uh, just a writer and a, and a poetry person. You know what I mean? And once again, it's up for interpretation. Which is so weird because Lovecraft himself, like, I don't he would have not like any of the occultists. Like, he would claim off, like, no of that. But then you read the stuff, it's like... Are you sure? I know. Yeah, I'm. See, and I'm more fascinated with Lovecraft than I am with like Aleister Crowley. I'm not a huge Crowley fan. I'm not a. I'm not a huge Anton LaVey fan. Although, I find it interesting once again because we're in this genre of occult. I. I isn't it just interesting how people's brains work? I feel like, and like once again, this this man is in 1904 going to Egypt. Like, how in the hell do you get to Egypt in 1904? You know what I mean? Like, he went into the pyramids too. Like, he went into one of the main pyramids and did his like. I don't think you could you can do that today. I don't think you can just walk into the pyramids today mm -hmm. and do anything. But apparently, back then he could do that. He could just walk in. He did his ritual with his wife and everything. And then later on, that's when we get the book of law. But I'm like. Wait a minute, you just like scrolled on in there. Like mm -hmm. these days, it's all like plexiglass and 
like guided. Like, and most of it's, like I think, blocked off. I think most of it's blocked off because they don't want it to be oh, defaced yeah. or anything like that. So, but like Nigel Far is like, yep, I'm going into the pyramid. No, and that's the fascinating part is is reading it from a perspective from somebody a hundred years ago, literally. Yeah, it's so good. I think one of the things where I think because people see the the titles like the Wicked Man and the Beast and everything, they they kind of get scared off. I feel like if you're going to read, especially the history of the occult or in anything dealing with the fringe of it. Crowley is definitely someone like you don't even have to like him because there is a lot of stuff about him that is not likable. I mean, because he was so outspoken, he said not good things about people. Like he was very, in a lot of ways, for his intelligence, also very bigoted too. But he's definitely someone you should at least be aware of when researching. That's also a sign of his times, though, isn't it? I mean, once again, you're talking the 19th century. Yeah, and the thing is, is I, I think we have to remember, it's like, he was still human. He was, you will probably be the first to say he was no saint. So he was still very much a human and made mistakes and not perfect and everything. And I think it's one of those things where trying to understand, like, how much, how much can you absorb from it and also separate it from the author, but also realize this person probably would not be someone you would want to sit down and like have a chat with either mm-hmm right oh my god so, I'm just saying you should research some stuff that's all I'm saying if you're interested I just I do like I encourage you guys because there's some things we just cannot talk about on here but I I was curious myself I was I want to I'm just curious because it's once again you're talking about somebody that like came up with this theory and in his interpretation of his own occult world, whatever, in a time where Google doesn't exist. That's what's fascinating to me is no, we depend on the World Wide Web for every, literally, we're streaming online right now. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't have, you know, we've had 200 people, you know, live last week on our stream. If we didn't have that, what, how did he obtain this information and, and how... He got the information, then how he interpreted it and wrote it in the book, and then how you interpret it. It's it's fascinating to me. The whole thing is just fascinating to me. I mean, like, okay, so one of his most well-known books that's still published today is called 777. And it's uh, Kabbalistic work, and basically it is, uh, in some ways, Google in a book where it has all the various charts and diagrams of like breaking down of all the the tree of life and the oh now this is the one that i was questioning you about right when we first started talking about it i said he had the seven portals or something like that okay so this is the one i'm fascinated about so everybody listen to elfie right now okay because this one's most well known it was also featured on ghost adventures it's been on other ones um, and it's literally a ritualistic system, right, of like the seven gates. Or okay, I'm going to let Elfie take over. This I'm, I have to listen to. I'm sorry, it's so important. The book, <laughs> so the book 777 is this collection of all these charts and diagrams of these. It's not so much like here is the ritual, but here is how you can create your ritual. Because a lot of times with ceremony magic, you're going by the, the hour of the planet, the day, the, if a certain deity or spirit you're trying to work with, magical squares and everything. So the book itself is, try, try, he tried to compose a lot of that information into 
sort of easy to read charts to then you could use that as a reference to then create your ritual space because before Google people usually had to have four or five books open as they're trying to research stuff or look up stuff and everything so this is why 777 is still a very popular book today because it's still considered a good resource book though even though probably some of it would need to be updated today it was one of his big books because here is your Google to now look up well what planet hour of a planet do I need to be and what metal do I need and what square do I need and everything compiled all in one to basically perform these like rituals or something right like or, or open yeah. open doorways is I think one of the words that he he'd worded it before yeah, if you wanted to open your own doors or use magic squares or use or contents or spirit, this was because this the other thing with ceremony magic, it can be very precise of like you gotta get the right day, hour, planet, everything down to the minute if you're getting really like detail oriented. And once again he had this created before Google existed. So it does make you wonder if he was in touch with his guides or whoever on the other side. For him to, I know he researched, but to obtain this information and to be able to reinterpret yeah. into a black and white paged book for us is just insanity to me. I I think it was like he had the access to the information, and he had the. I think it's more impressive also that he had the know how to compile it into something semi digestible and everything. I mean, one of his, one of the other people um, who was his secretary for a time, um, Israel Regardi, also who published quite a lot of this work, and I would highly recommend if you're looking into anything dealing with ceremony magic, Israel Regardi is definitely someone to look into as well. Um, he published the book, The Golden Dawn, and people apparently flipped their lid because they're like, oh my God, you're publishing our secrets. How can you do that? You're, you're, you're revealing everything. He's like, this should be open to everyone. Why not? Either they'll get it or they won't get it. In other words, he didn't believe so, in gatekeeping information. No, he he had no. He felt like everyone, if you could get the book, and I think he also really believed in that idea with the occult. The the word occult itself is hidden knowledge, and the hidden part of it is you could have the book in front of you, but unless it like you have the aha moment, it might not make any sense to you. And he thought like, well, I'm going to publish book, and there will be people who will utilize it. It should not be for only so many certain people or anything. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Now you put something else in the notes about so mode it be. Is that was that created by Crowley? No, um, I believe that was uh, Gardner. Gardner. Who, who? Yeah, Gardner, who was the the as they called the the father of Wicca and everything. Uh, he was another figure who was also who liked utilizing the press and everything, especially once the UK abolished the, the law against witchcraft and everything. He just like hit the ground running when it came to like doing a whole bunch of press and everything about witchcraft and Wicca and everything like that. Um, but that one's interesting because that was dealing later on with the, the pop culture of, um, I believe it was Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Yep, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Okay, somebody said, um, do you put Christianity as a cult or a religion? Once again, I feel like this is based on interpretation, on hidden knowledge. Like, what 
Elfie said, so f I'll give you a perfect example for this. There are documentaries done on the original tablets of the Bible. You know, there's also hundreds of versions of the Bible and how it's been interpreted. And um, it's claimed that the original tablets were written in old times, literally on stone tablets, and it was reinterpreted in the Middle East. So Kat and I have done a lot of research on the originalities of like where the Bible came from. And Kat and I, personally, this doesn't include Elfie, she may believe this, she may not, but we believe that it was interpreted in a, um, a male interpretation because they were trying to put women below men. So it just, once again, it depends on your interpretation of it. Kat was raised extremely Catholic. I was raised Lutheran. Elfie was raised pagan. I no longer practice religion and Elfie's still pagan and Kat does witchcraft. So it just, you know, it's, it, de it depends on your interpretation of it. it. You know, you, you have to figure out what knowledge works for you and how you interpret it and how you understand it. There's really no right or wrong answer for that. I think. Is that a good, is that a good, yeah. Basically, do you think Christianity is considered a cult or a religion? I wouldn't say as a whole. I mean, there are definitely Christian cults who, like you were saying, it's it's the interpretation and unfortunately sometimes misinterpretation mm -hmm. of scriptures that... But that could be any scripture, though. It doesn't have to just be Christianity. Yeah. Oh, it could yeah. be any scripture. Any, any scripture can honestly end up being misused. And I think that's, unfortunately, that's where the human side of it comes in, where you could have a, a, a scripture that is written by a person and then translate and retranslate, and then someone takes it and they interpret it however they want. Mm -hmm. And then, unfortunately, it's it could start off as a good thing and then, unfortunately, go down. Well, that's how we have so many different religions, right? Like, that's why we have so many different, like, sprouts from, you know, Catholicism and Christianity. There's all these different different religions and, and how people, yeah. that's literally yeah. how it happens. Different opinions and difference of ideas of how these pieces were interpreted, um, how they should be interpreted, who gets interpreted and everything. And actually, what you were talking about earlier, a lot of that, I think, came from when they were compiling it to make the Bible with, like, uh, I think it was the um, Babylonians. I can't remember. Yeah, the, no, it was the ASEAN um, meeting or conference of ASEAN. I can't remember the proper where they were deciding what scriptures would now be the canon scriptures and what would later we would consider the Bible because you have the Old Testament, which is the uh, five books of Moses, and then you have later on the New Testament. And then that later on gets reinterpreted translated again. further when you have like the King James Bible, which interprets it however King James. <laughs> Once again, just keeps reinterpreting it. That's why I always say when people ask oh, yeah, me if I've read the Bible, I'm like, well, there's like 200 versions. Which one are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I I had to learn the hard way because it's like when you look up like, oh, I want like what. Looking for like Bible stuff, it's like, oh, what version do you want? Like, what's your, how many translations? <laughs> I'm, are laugh, like, I'm sorry. Like, it's just... you want like word for word, or you don't? Do you want like more of a a interpretation of these? It's like, oh my. It's interesting. Not that this matters. This is a little off tangent, but that's what that's what we do. You know what I mean? But my my mom's been communicating with me through dreams since she passed away, and um, she's very forthcoming with information and 
I was, uh, and I mean, my dreams are so vivid. I'm, I'm so, I'm so connected to my spirit team and stuff. Like, it's crazy. Like, I've told Elfie some of these dreams, and she's just like, I don't even know. Like, how do you remember all this, you know? I, I'm glad you're writing all this down, too. Oh, I, well, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book right now. But mm -hmm. one of the things, one of the little tidbits of information that I'll release now, but, you know, my guides don't really want me to, but I'm going to do it anyway, is religion is a human thing. Religion doesn't really exist on the other side, no matter what you look at it as. Um, there is something, I asked my mom, I said, so does God exist? You know, like, what what is God? And she, she called it the source. She doesn't call it him. It is more female or they than it is a him. It's definitely not a him. But she said it's just how humans interpret it, it's how humans believe it. We're one of the youngest um, civilizations in planets, basically, that exist. And it, but they don't call it God. They don't call it a hymn. It's called the source. The source, which is where we all come from. And as far as like, so, and I said in my dream, I was like, is Christianity, like, what, what is, what are we supposed to believe in? You know, like, what's the all being? Well, my guides don't want to answer that because they don't want to frustrate anybody. Like, in other words, we have free will. Elfie has free will to practice paganism. Cat has free will to practice witchcraft. There is no right or wrong answer. But religion doesn't exist. Hell doesn't exist. We're incarnating here to have a human experience. And that's it. And we're not going to go home and be judged. The fear-mongering that happens here is all human-based. Period. But once again, that can also be... That frustrates people answer exactly oh well, yeah I think that's part of you know part of the experience of being here is like being a part of a society being part of a culture a clan a group a religion organization it makes you feel like of a belonging because we do incarnate here and it's it's a hard planet to incarnate on and so you have to feel like you have a belonging somewhere so that's where I think my guides don't want anyone to feel frustrated um but I'm like, well, I, you know, and they're like, we want you to write it in a book. But, you know, people can also interpret that how they will as well, you know. So it's just interesting It's if you have that connection with the other side, you know. And researching occultists won't stop whether there's religion or not. I'm going to, you know, I'm obsessed with this stuff. I think it's fascinating. So, it, okay, question for you. Since you have read some of Crowley's books... Oh God, this is a hard question to ask. Where do you think the where what's the easiest place to start if somebody's out there and wants to read a Crowley book? Is there oh. an easy place to start? <laughs> well, okay, I, I guess it'd be the question would be okay. Are they if they're starting with wine to to begin with ceremony magic? Like okay, so my two, my two, I think the two biggest books that he's done, and I'm sure you'll agree, is Seven Seven Seven, and um, the what's the one from Egypt that he did? I forgot. Book of the Law. Book of the Law. So let's, since those are the two most popular books, where do you need to be mentally to be able to read them? What do you need to be preparing yourself for to be able to interpret it? I would say with the. 777, that's more of a reference book where it's one of those, like, it's definitely not a bad one to have on your shelf for if you're doing research and if you're trying to understand things. Uh, so, for books on Crowley, I honestly would recommend uh, Lon Milo Duquette has done a lot of work, especially um, talking about Crowley and Crowley's work, interpreting him. Like, he has done a book on the Book of Thoth, he's done his book on Enochian 
Enochian magic. Oh my god, Enochian! That is... Oh, Enochian is the one that, um... Enochian. <laughs> I, I kept saying the E word. That is Enochian um, culture is what they believe Anton LaVey's The Church of Satan was based off of. Thank you very oh. much. Jesus take the wheel. My God. Okay, anyways. <laughs> like halfway through the stream, you're like, you got me. It's fine. I don't know. Uh, what other would be? Uh, poetry think, books, right? Maybe some of his poetry books to sort of dip your toe in the deep end. Poetry books, like, oh God. Um, so, so the Book of Lies is one of his poetry books, but it's also poetry and occult. His ritual work kind of like melded together. Mm -hmm. um, if you have no foundation of his work, it would honestly just read his poetry. Uh, his other one is called White Stains. So those, I would say, would give you an idea of his, like, thought process in some ways. Um, he was very wordy, flowery and wordy. I mean, I do like some of his poetry and stuff, but that might give you some... It's like an introduction into who he is as a writer, kind of. A little bit, yeah. It would give you an idea. Now, the thing is, you have to remember, too, because... He's writing from an early 20th century, and he, the English writing and stuff, it might be a little more difficult to interpret at times or understand the flow of it. Um, his book, Confessions of Alistair Crowley, is an interesting book. Uh, it's very a big book that he wrote, I think, in the late 20s or so. Um, take every everything he writes, just take it with a grain of salt. Just, just do that. Just take it with a grain of salt, whatever he writes. Mm -hmm. um, because he does like telling stories. You do get at least a good idea about him and everything, but it is him writing about himself. So, you know, he might embellish a few things. <laughs> right. We definitely think he did that. Um, Same with his, he did a book basically when he was hooked on drugs as well, didn't he? Uh, he did a book about after he was hooked on drugs. Oh. It was a uh, diary of a drug fiend. He, I think he called fiction, but Jeez. was probably a little more autobiography. Could you be more honest, man? He's just like, let me tell you what it's like. Have you read that one? Um, I've not read that one yet. Uh, another fictional book he did, which is sort of fiction or not, is Moonchild. That was definitely much more fiction, where it's the idea of creating a, um, trying to create a child with magic and everything. It goes back to the sex magic thing, essentially. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay, Crawley, we get it. We get it. Yeah, he was all about that. Oh, man. He's an interesting I mean, dude, I, though. I think one of the reasons why he's coming back up is people rediscovering the fact that he was, like, bisexual. That he... Because everyone keeps thinking about, like, him and Scarlet Women and his his his, his couple's wives and his mistress, mistresses and the women he was with. But he was actually also with men because he just... It, he was very fluid. He didn't. It didn't really matter to him, masculine or feminine or male, female, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And back then, that was. I mean, really, until recently, it was accepted. Honestly, like within the last ten years, and we're still struggling. Well, I think people had more of a problem with that than his magic. And actually, it was. You could think it'd be. It might be a little dangerous for him to do it because even back then, especially in the early twentieth century. I think if you were, you could still be tried and arrested mm -hmm. for being um, 
being LGBTQ plus. Like, oh, yeah. you could still be arrested. I mean, Oscar Wilde was arrested for it and served, I think, three years or so, and that just almost totally destroyed him and everything. It's crazy how far we've come. It's crazy how far we've come. But I'm fascinated. I mean, I'm not going to be practicing anything Aleister Crowley, but I am fascinated by him. I do want to buy some books because I have not read his books. I'm interested. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't read the... So which one do you think I should get first? Think I should try a poetry book first? Um, Israel Regardi's Middle Pillar. Okay. Which is more of an exercise in, like, especially working with the Tree of Life and Kabbalistic work, is much more of a meditation and centering um, exercise than anything else. So I would definitely recommend The Middle Pillar. Um, honestly, a lot of Regardi's work would be good to read. The best um, start, okay. Garden of Pomegranate, Middle Pillar, uh, the, uh, the Golden Dawn book. Actually, the Golden Dawn book would be good because that would give you a better idea of what Crowley went through ceremonially because it breaks down all the various levels and degrees they will go through, too. See, in the ceremonial stuff, I think, is where I'm kind of curious because I do, I have seen the 777 book brought up multiple times on paranormal shows. Mm -hmm. So for him to be so still idolized by paranormal people to where they're using it in rituals and even like conjuring or contacting the dead, that's where my fascination with, with Alistair comes in. Well, and it's strange too, because um, if you do a search about OTO, which is still around everything, there's still lodges like in California and Ohio and everything. If, if you do, that is more the kind of, uh, large public space and everything, they they do this thing called the Gnostic Mass. Mm. It, Is it kind of like Black Mass with um with uh, the Church of Satan? It it's definitely in the same vein of it, but it's it's much more. I mean, you have uh, you you have a person that is kind of like it's almost this breakdown of a person going through the phases of becoming a magician. And it ends with them in front of the altar where there is sometimes a woman on the altar um, representing the representing Newit and representing Babylon and everything. But it's very reminiscent of almost a Catholic mass in some ways, too, because hmm. they do have a cup of wine and they do have, um, well, not a wafer, but what they call a cake of light. <laughs> and it is... A similar interpretation but it's very kind of subdued and not really like Hollywood like really think when it, like, yeah it's 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 pretty it, it's a nice little ceremony when you see it because it's just a mass and it's just the going through the process of um, the becoming a magician and the working your way to the, the top of encountering your higher self and crossing abyss and everything so it's it's not like what people think like with the church saying when you had Antoine LaVey and Black Mass the big more media publicity of it see and you know I think that this this is a perfect place to end this dream because we could keep going forever because he's got so much stuff in his background but you know what people don't realize with paranormal like even for example when we shot the feature in February it's not just about interacting with the entities, but you're going to locations where there's a whole different culture and there's different cultures involved. And that's the part too, that I feel like hasn't been shined on as much in the paranormal world 
is how much culture culture affects or affected that location and why it's so haunted with whatever it's haunted with and it, you do have to and i think that's why i love you you love history even more than me but you know going to these haunted locations that are so old you're literally stepping back into that time and that's the part i think that's so fascinating is even bringing up alistair crawley is when you when you like write a book or even like artists that are, are making a record they're literally like leaving their stamp in time at that moment and that's why we're so lucky is a hundred years later we can reference back to these Aleister Crawley books and it's like and I think that's the problem why I, I get frustrated with cancel culture is a lot of times these old artists from like another time will get canceled because they were misogynistic or whatever and it's like Look, I don't agree with misogyny either, but this is a whole different timestamp when this occurred, literally like 100, 200 years ago. You, the, the world was different. The world was different. I mean, literally, the world was different in the 90s. Let's be real. The world was different in the 80s, and that's evolution. And that's why I think I don't like cancel culture because it's like I appreciate the history. No, I don't agree with certain things that occurred at that time. But, but that's why and how we've evolved to where we are today. Yeah, no, I agree. It's one of those where it's not so much, it's not even a matter because you have to look at, like you said, the framework of the time period of where he was, who he was. And it's not even a matter like we're not going to justify it, forgive, like, dude did some, said some bad things, did some bad things. But it's more like putting in a perspective of like, okay, here's his information. Don't be like Crowley. <laughs> don't be like him, but it's kind of cool that he wrote this at the time. But don't be like him, okay? Be aware of what he was. <laughs> be aware, yeah. See him for what he was, but appreciate. I mean, writings and publishings are art. It is art, whether you like it or not. You know, and that's where you have to appreciate the history. Yeah, and I think too often we want to put people well-known people up on pedestals. We mm. want to put them up high like as if they cannot do wrong. It's like, no, they are human. They're going to do a whole lot of wrong. That's why they make the art. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's why, and let's be real, sex magic or not, whatever, how dark it was. Mm. There's, a reason he, there's a reason he was a dark person is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like, and, and what you're right. Nobody on this planet is perfect. Nobody incarnates perfect. Nobody does everything perfectly 100% of the time. But, and you're right. That's why you're able to create things is through trauma, unfortunately, right? That's what you I did with. certainly not looking to become Buddha or Christ or anything like no, that. No, <laughs> no, no. And, and there is a fine line, you know, where you do compare him. And I, he stated that though that he and once again saying I want to burn this book don't if once you read it burn it he didn't really yeah. that's why there is a difference between someone like him and like Anton Lavey who actually opened you know like the Church of Satan wanted followers wanted people to worship him even Ron Hubbard for that same personality creating Scientology and Aleister Crawley did not want really people to, he didn't he didn't really want people to follow him he wanted you to burn it and just like it is what it is whatever. He wasn't looking for so it is. It's the same, but like different. Yeah, he he did he did his thing. He either you were with him or get out of his way. Or or he didn't care. Yeah, literally. Like I just don't yeah. care. And if you want to talk bad about me, great. Thanks for the free press. Which I that part alone 
just because I have a fascination with marketing because of Ghost Girl Diaries, um, is just amazing to me that he had that idea in the 19th century. Like, he was... He was a, like, I mean, he wasn't a good person. Let's be real. Like, you know, do your own research. He was not a good person. However, he was ahead of his time. And he was smart. He was intelligent. He may not have done things a good way, (laughs) the way he could have done or should have done. But once again, I think he was a product of his time and, uh, you know, early 19th century, it is what it is. And, you know, think about this too. He did inherit a ton of money for that time, which was why he was able to travel the world so freely and literally didn't have a job and just, but my point is, is this is why he could do all the things. It, well, right. No, but if you inherit that kind of money at the end of the day, what are you going to do with yourself? And he was literally like, you go, I'm going to go to Egypt, I'm going to write crazy books, I'm going to talk about sex magic, I'm going to do what I want, and it just doesn't matter. And, like, I don't care. So I guess it, yeah, it's interesting. It's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <coughs> Sorry, God. Um, the Titanic sinking 110 years ago. I would agree with Crystal, it's stamping in time. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's weird. You have to look at things from, from the perspective of when they happened. I mean, in fact, Elfie and I were talking about this the other day. <coughs> she was like, you know, when she was on Paranormal State, she did all these episodes, and she was like, oh, my God, we didn't even have the technology, you know, that we have today. And that was literally not even 10 years ago, right? I mean, like, you realize how much things change over time, and people don't realize that by, like, putting it in perspective. That's why I like to, like, my mom used to say, paint, paint a picture. Paint a picture. <laughs> Well, that was a good stream. Do you have anything else you want to add to that? Um, I would say don't be afraid. Look at, like, read Crowley, take what you can from it, and leave the rest. Well, yeah, it's just like Anton LaVey. Like, just because you're reading a book on the Church of Satan doesn't make you a Satanist, for God's sake. You know what I mean? Like, let's evolve past that at this point. Just because you're... You're, if you do, if, open the portal to hell or anything, you're fine. That's a move. I mean, it could happen, but like you have to be pretty intentional with that, you know. If you have any of those books you don't want anymore, you send them to me. Oh I my God, Elvie's like, please look at my library, okay? I have an abundance. I'll, I'll, take them. I'll, I'll happily take them off your hands if you don't want to be worried about that. <laughs> oh my God, Elfie's our in-house librarian, literally. So, um, well, thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. Next week, it's going to be Cat and I, and I, I think we have an interesting stream. Um, we're going to talk about, um, well, we have a couple topics on, but you know. Something else went viral on TikTok that we want to talk about, which is um, it's this ceremony that uh, MGK and Megan Fox came out saying that they did. They participated it um, in like oh. Belize or something. I can't remember. Elvie <laughs> laughs. And basically, you take this like you know herb. Uh, it's a tea. It's a tea, and um, it causes you to have like severe hallucinations and. Yeah, we have a lot of opinions on that. And you have, like, a spiritual experience, apparently. Like, literally, Megan Fox said she traveled to hell and back. And it's supposed to be a seven-day cleanse with this special tea with this, like, shaman. Wait, you tripped for seven days? Well, or, like, I think they have different 
you can do like four days or three days. Apparently, like Megan Fox says she did two or three days and she said she literally couldn't do it for a third day because she thought she was not going to come back to her body. So anyway, I just found it's going to be an interesting stream because we've been kind of researching it. A cat and I, by the way, would never, ever participate in something like that. First of all, I am a control freak when it comes to myself. I've never tried drugs because I do not like the feeling of being out of control. I don't. And so, yeah, do I want to experience going to hell and back? No, I'm good. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> Try again next time. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad to hear, though, that they had someone, like, monitoring this because that's the only thing I'm ever worried about is, like, I don't mind the spiritual using of the stuff. As long as you have someone monitoring, don't, don't just offhand, like, I'm going to go trip balls for 17 <laughs> Jesus, oh, well. <laughs> I can't. Woo. I was not expecting you to say that. Um, no, it's it's a monitored process, and you ha and I'm not promoting it by any means. I'm just wanting to talk about it because it's been all over TikTok, and it's and also it's not a drug. It's a tea that they give you. It's literally an herbal tea, and and it's it's produced by a shaman in this yeah. tribe, and you literally have to go to Central America in order to take it, and you are monitored. But it just, the whole process sounds terrifying to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's supposed to, like, purge your inner demons and, like, your shadow side or something. And I'm like, I'm good. I'll just do my shadow work. And other I'm good. I don't need an herbal tea to remove a demon. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm good to go. I, I hope they had a long talk. Like, are you sure you want to do this? Because <sighs> once you start this, it's not like you can just be like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> it's true yeah and you're apparently you're supposed to I've researched it you're supposed to throw up the tea before your body digests it so they give you a bucket to, to vomit it I'm like who would go through that process man just yeah. to have like a spiritual experience like I'd hate throwing up you know what I mean like cool. anyway anyway it'll be with Kat and I talking it's gonna be a good one <laughs> you know so anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, this will be uploaded as a podcast, you know, on all major streaming sites, including Apple, Spotify, all that jazz. It's good to be back, Elfie. Doesn't it feel good to, to be normal again? Right? I love it. This is awesome. We go on tangents and Talk about all the weird stuff. Oh yeah, we the with the weird we're like the queen of the weird talks. Also, please make sure you're following us on TikTok because it's blowing up. Yeah. And also I would love to shout up. yeah, numbers are going up. Also, any fans that are watching, can you please engage with our TikTok um content as much as possible? So liking it, commenting on it, responding to others, because the more engagement we have, the more it helps our numbers go up, and we're just trying to push it so hard. We want to get all those followers. Uh, you know, the main goal is to get a big social media following, because we still want to get the series signed. That's still the goal, is to get Ghost Girl Diaries, the series, and it's going to be freaking amazing. Right, Elfie? I can't wait. This is going to be so awesome. Oh my god, yeah, it's going great. Thank you guys for everything, as always. Um, make sure you subscribe to all of our social media. Make sure you download um, all of our information, you know, from uh, ghostgirldiaries.com. Obviously, TikTok's number one. And as always, thank you guys so much, and we will catch you guys next time.